0: You are listening to audio from the Mariner Campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Good to see you. Well, if you've if uh, if you've been around for the last few weeks, you know we were making our way through the Ten Commandments, uh, slowly but surely. And uh, if you've been around, you'll know the reason why we're doing this is because the Ten Commandments are really important. And that God gave us the Ten Commandments, and this is really important. God gave us the Ten Commandments not as a rule book or as a heavy or a weight on our back, but He gave us the Ten Commandments as a gift of grace. And the whole purpose of the Ten Commandments is that God gives us the commandments to us, as a way to protect and enhance a life of freedom. Because when our lives align to the Ten Commandments, our lives, are they, they work in the way that they were created to work, and when that happens, we live a life of freedom. And so, so far, we've looked at two commandments. Uh, we looked at uh, the first commandment is pop quiz. He's like, I didn't know there was going to be a test. No. You shall have no other gods before me. All right. Ten points to Gryffindor. Okay. Um, Sorry. Harry Potter, yeah. Um, Second commandment. No idols. Yeah, very good. Good, good, good. Well, today we arrive at the third commandment, which concerns the name of the Lord. And so if you have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to be looking particularly at verse 7, but we'll, we'll start a little bit earlier on. Um, in honor of God's word, let's stand together as we read this. We're look at Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Lord, we come before you recognizing that we are completely dependent upon you. We pray that you would speak into our hearts the meaning of your commandments, in particular the third commandment. What is it that you want us to know? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive and the courage to respond to what you say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, the first commandment we looked at two weeks ago, and one of the themes of the first commandment was about having. You shall have no other gods before me. So having is important. The second commandment, the issue is about making making an image and the problem with making an image is that no image can capture fully who god is so if the first commandment is about having the second commandment is about making what is the third commandment all about it is about receiving will we take or will we receive will we take god's name on our terms or we, will we receive who God is on his terms? And so there's two postures in life when it comes to our life with God. And I've mentioned this before. And the two postures are this or this. And too often in our Christian life, we're this. God, we want this to happen. We need this to happen. God, make this happen. Where the posture that we're invited into is a posture of receptivity and openness to God, and to what he says about himself. And that's what's going on here. So we're talking about the name of the Lord. So what is the big deal about a name? Well, names matter. Even in our day and age, names matter. If I get your name wrong, it's not good. Um, if somebody gets my name wrong, it, 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 it bugs me, Right? Um, it's awkward, too, because you need to know that I try so hard to remember names. I really do. I try As soon as I hear a name, I'm like, okay, association, association, come on, somehow. But invariably, when the pressure's on, especially when I'm praying with someone, it's like, oh, I can't remember the name. Like, and, and I hate forgetting names, because names matter. And even the way you say a person's name matters, eh? You know, if somebody comes up, David, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of bugs me, right? Or, <laughs> or, it just reminds me of growing up, yeah. Um, the other thing is, if somebody's calling your name, think about this, if somebody's calling your name over and over again, you come in and say, oh, what's going on? And you're like, ah, I'm just kidding. I don't really mean. I don't even know why I called your name. That's not very respectful. So in this commandment, God is saying to us, I've given you something. That will change your life. Receive it and live. And what has he given us? He's given us his name. And as Klaus Bachmuel, who's a great writer on the Ten Commandments, he wrote, The revelation of the name is the key to the holy of holies. It draws us close to the living God of the universe. So what is this name that God has given us? that we're not to take in vain. Well, let's look at a little bit of background. The background to God's name is found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 15. Because we read about this man named Moses. And Moses encounters the living God. He's, He's out, and he sees this bush that is burning, but the bush isn't being consumed, and he has this encounter with God. And God says to Moses, he says, You know what? I have heard your prayers. I've heard the prayers of my people who have been enslaved in Egypt. I have heard their prayers, and I am going to set them free, and I'm going to take them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, into a place that is flowing with milk and honey, into the promised land. And so God reveals to Moses his plan to set his people free. And Moses asks a very logical question. Because Moses has to go back to the people and explain to them, okay, so I talked to God and this is what he's saying we should do. And so Moses asks, he says, so if people ask who spoke to me, what shall I say your name is? And God says, tell them, I am who I am sent you. Now this is huge. This revelation of God's word between the incarnation and the revelation of God's word, this is huge in the Bible. Because in the ancient Near East, names really mattered. Really mattered. They carry a lot more weight than today. In the ancient world, you actually didn't really know a person until you knew their name. Why? Because the name of a person often would reveal characteristics about the person. So if you knew someone's name, you'd know something about the person. The name in many ways, becomes a substitute for the person. The name means the person. And so in the ancient world, name and presence went together. When you said a name, you're asking a person to be present to you. And if I gave you my name, I'm offering myself to be present to you. And so what does the name that God gives Moses mean? Well, truth be told, it is a mysterious name. In fact, it could be translated in different ways. One of the ways it's often translated is I am who I am. Sometimes it could be I, I will be what I will be. The pronunciation, it, we're not 100% sure because we got the consonants and not the vowels, but we think, we think that the name was generally thought to be pronounced Yahweh. Yahweh. And we know in the past that strict Jews substituted the name. They didn't want to violate this third commandment, so they often wouldn't even dare say the name, and so they'd substitute the name with Adonai, which means my Lord, or sometimes they would just say Hashem, which means the name. And even today, you'll see um, Jewish writers, um, when they're writing in English, when they write God, they'll put G-D, all with a desire not to violate this third commandment. Right? Now, in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, um, and you look in the Old Testament, you'll come across the word LORD. And it's usually all caps. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever you come across the word LORD and it's all capitalized, that is an indication of Yahweh. That's, it's, it's the name that has been revealed, just so you know. So what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Well, the key word is vain. What does it mean when we say, take a Lord, the Lord's name in vain. Well, vain, the word for vain in Hebrew is, this, is a word that means empty. It's empty. It's got no content whatsoever. And so to speak vain, vain words, is to speak empty words. It's to speak falsely. And that's what lying is. You think about lying. If I lie to you, I'm, I'm giving you words that are actually empty of truth. Right? When I lie, I'm speaking empty words. And idols are often connected to this word vanity or vain because idols have no substance to them. They're just made out of wood, right? And so this word is connected also when we use the word flattery. You think about when you flatter someone, oh, you're so cool, you're so groovy, you're so awesome, but you really don't mean it. You're, you're giving them empty words, right? There's no substance. And so it's interesting to take the Lord's name in vain. You can see right away that there is a connection to the first and the second commandments. Because when when I talk about God, but in an empty way, I'm treating him like other gods, like non-gods. Or I'm treating him as no better than an idol. And it's not good to do that. So one of the questions I want to explore is... How might we end up taking the Lord's name in vain? How might we take the Lord's name in vain? Well, I think there's a number of ways. We're going to look at a few of them. One of the ways we can take the Lord's name in vain is when when we lie, when we commit perjury. So when you swear falsely in the name of God, we're using God's name wrongly. When we say under oath, I swear to God, Blah, blah, blah. And what you say is not true, you're speaking empty words. And you're connecting empty words to the living God of the universe. You're connecting emptiness to God. And that's not good. Now, Jesus takes this commandment, and he actually, if you, if you know some of the teachings of Jesus, is he he deepens it because he says it's not just about taking an oath. You know, don't take an oath in the name of God and break. He says, in all your conversations with people, let your what? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just be honest. Do not speak empty words. And so if you swear an oath in God's name but have no intention of speaking the truth, that's a problem. If you make a vow in God's name, like let's say at a wedding altar, and you have no intention of keeping the covenant, that's a problem. And so we need to be careful to mean what we say, or we'll be guilty of breaking this commandment. The other way you can break this commandment is when you commit, and this is not a word we use very often anymore, blasphemy. Now what is blasphemy? Well, blasphemy is probably the worst form of misuse. What is blasphemy? Blasphemy. Blasphemy is when I, when I take God's name, God's character, and I attach it to something that is morally wrong. When I, when I take God's character, His presence, His goodness, and I attach it to something very clearly wrong, when I say God approves of things that are clearly wrong, that is blasphemy. So, for, an ex- for example, let's say I'm a businessman. And I'm doing business, and I'm cutting all sorts of corners. I'm, I'm paying my workers, you know, this below, you know, minimum wage. Um, I'm cheating on my, uh, on my taxes. Uh, I don't care about the environment. <laughs> I'm doing all these horrible things. And at the end of the year, I have this biggest profit I've ever made. And I say, well, thanks be to God. Look how God has blessed my business. Well, hang on, you're attaching the goodness of God to some pretty shady business practices. That's actually blasphemy. You're at school, and you have an exam. And you've found a way to bring in some of the answers to the exam so that you get a really good mark. So you've cheated. And then after you you cheat, you get a really good mark, and you say, well... Thank God I did so well. Well, hang on. Are you attaching God's blessing on something that you've done, which is clearly cheating? So don't be attaching God's name to things that are, you know they're wrong. Or, I mean, you can keep going, right? Or if you see a ceremony or something that's unbiblical, but you invoke God's name as blessing, something that's clearly wrong, that is a problem. And the, the issue is, in our culture, we live in a very flippant culture, and we've forgotten about the seriousness of blasphemy. But blasphemy is, is, violates the third commandment. The other way we can do this is when we fall into profanity. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 12 it says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall you profane the name of your God. So what is profanity? Well, it's not just swearing or cursing, though it, it does include that. It's throwing around God's name, throwing around Jesus' name, in a very empty way. And this kind of profanity is very common today. Now, you need to know one thing before I go any further. I'm not casting any stones here because the way I used to speak back in the day, um, I could make a sailor blush. Um, I was very proficient in swearing in every sentence I said. And I, and I could do it in English and in Chinese, and I could go back and forth <laughs> swearing. Um, but honestly, like the way I used to speak, every sentence would have at least two or three F-bombs and a few, and a few Christ and God and all sorts of things. And every se- And I wouldn't even be angry, but that's just the way I spoke. And one of the hardest things that I ever had to learn when I became a Christian was to transform, for my to reform my language, the way I spoke. Because it was just the way I spoke. And it was very difficult to, to change. Some of you know. That in your own life, right? But how often do we hear in our culture today, you know, OMG, oh my God, or, or Jesus Christ, or, or holy and fill in the blank. <laughs> Lots of things can go after that. Or how often do you hear somebody say, God damn it. To hell with this. Goddamn car won't start. And so we need to be careful with this because do, we, I, do I mean this? Do I really want this to happen? Do I want God to damn my car because it won't start? Am I genuinely asking God for something? Now here's the thing. This, it is kind of a big deal because swearing, and the, the language we use does affect us. Like I found, again, I used to swear all the time. But I found myself, just using that kind of language all the time, I found myself getting angry all the time. And I worked myself up into this anger. And and it wasn't even a reason why, but it's just the language I would use would affect my heart. And it would also affect those around me. I could see people cringing because I I wouldn't care. I'd swear in front of older people. I just didn't care. And I can see people cringing a little bit. And most importantly, how does God feel when I play fast and loose with his name? I remember one time when I was in university, I was um, was there with my girlfriend, and we were at a party or something like that, and uh, I used the Lord's name in vain really badly, like really, like it was, and and she was not a Christian or anything, but she kind of grew up in the church, and she looked at me, and she goes, don't say that. I'm like, well, what's the big deal? She goes, don't say that. And it's funny because I was not, it's not funny, but um, I wasn't a Christian, but I felt like when I said that, I had crossed a line. Even though I didn't believe in God, I felt like, hmm. So, but here's the awkward question. So what do you do if you're out and you hear somebody use the Lord's name in vain? What do you say? Any ideas? (laughs) I had a buddy of mine. He worked at, uh, you know, he did construction. And uh, he'd always hear people go, Holy Jesus. And my friend would always look up. He goes, Hey, yeah, Jesus is holy. And he was just, He is holy. Yeah. Sometimes when I hear people swear when they use the Lord's name in vain, you know, Jesus Christ, I'll say, Dude, I thought you were an atheist. He goes, Well, what do you mean? I said, Well, you just cried out my Lord's names. I thought you didn't believe in God. Well, I don't. Oh, well, that seems strange that you use his name. But uh, I don't know. Now, there's a, there is a, a form of profanity, which is vulgarity. Now, what is vulgarity? Well, to be vulgar is to speak in a way that is offensive, insulting, and downright rude. But technically, vulgarity is not a violation of the third commandment. How does vulgar talk express itself? Well, I don't need to really explain, but I think you know. Lots of key words show up, uh, lots of f bombs, and lots of related words. Um, often there's a connection between sexual acts and reference to bodily excretions, <laughs> and sometimes a combination of the two. So, but I'm just I just want to say this. As followers of Jesus Christ, I think we need to be very careful when it comes to vulgarity, especially sexual vulgarity. Why? Because it profanes and trivializes something that is sacred, which is our sexuality. And when you take terms that are gifts from God regarding our sexuality and make them into violence and direct them against people. I think a terrible message is being communicated. So I think we do need to be careful with that. But here's, here's, here's the challenge then. So you're at home and you're working and you pull out a hammer and you hit your thumb with the hammer. What do you say? Ouch. Yes, you can say ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and if you stop there, that's good. Ouch. Ouch. You could say fiddlesticks. You could say, I mean, what do you say, right? Because you want to say something, right? I mean, or is it just me? Um, well, here's a thought. Um, and you just, this is David's thought. This is not biblical, right? Not necessarily from the Bible. But is it okay when you hit your thumb? to cry out with metaphors of bodily excretion. I'm not going to go in much detail on that. If you do say something like a bodily excretion, um, who is being insulted? Nobody, really. Does it stifle language creativity? Maybe, maybe. Might it offend others in the listening range? Possibly, but, but if you are going to swear... That might be the way to go. It might be the best of all available options. Anyhow, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> but here's the danger of profanity. Um, because it's easy as Christians to, you know, shake around. Ah, you know, this swearing and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, oh, I said hell. Um, we think profanity is out there. But here's the thing. Profanity is alive and well in the church. Ron, uh, Ronald Wallace in his book on the Ten Commandments says, in every aspect of our church life today, we're in danger of taking the Lord's name in vain. How do we do this? How do we profane the God's name in the church? Well, lots of ways. One of the ways is a health-wealth gospel. A health-wealth gospel says, you know, Jesus died so that you can be rich. God wants you to be rich. And one of the ways to become rich is, is if you have enough faith, God will make you rich. And this is taught, this is taught around the world. God wants you, and and a sign of of health and wealth is a sign of God's favor upon you, and it's probably because you've had enough faith, which actually is not biblical at all. But it's around. Here's another way. Is when we're a little too overconfident and a little loose with God's direction, where we say things like, You know, I I believe that God is saying to you today, oh, be careful. Are you sure? Don't be saying God told me to tell you unless you're absolutely sure. And if you're saying this just to give your words a little more weight or to manipulate, you're in a lot of trouble. Don't be throwing around, oh, and God God told me that we're going to go out on a date. No, I mean, I've heard people do that too. Guys do that. Don't do that. On a number of levels, don't do that, right? But I hear people do that. And sometimes, even as a pastor, sometimes you could have some, you know, a very weak point, but you put God's name on it in order to bolster it up. Well, am I treating God's name in vain and putting God's name in vain? So you need to be careful. And related to that is this fourth thing, is when I treat God's name as magic. I violate this commandment when I attempt through spoken formulas, magic words, to get God to do what I think he ought to do. So I really want this to happen. I want this thing to happen. So I'll say, in Jesus' name, make this happen. Okay. You get, we need to be careful here. If I say, in Jesus' name, I command, The problem is my motivation. Am I using God and his name as a tool for an end that I think should happen? Because here's the thing, God is never a means to an end. He's not a tool. Now, I really want you not to mishear what I'm saying. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in God's name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Mountains bow down and seas will rise at the sound of your name. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So don't mishear me. There is power in the name of God. The danger comes when you and I think we can manipulate God by using his name, by getting our words right. And I've seen people say that. You know, were you healed you know, when you, I prayed for healing. Well, did you say it this way? Did you, did you say in Jesus, did you, did, you, did you lay hands on them and say these words? Well, hang on, what are, is, this, is this a magic formula? If we get the words right, then God's like, ha, you got the words right. Now I'll answer. No, that's magic. God is not, his, his name is not a magic word. And he's never a means to an end. And so we need to be careful. God is not a tool to achieve our own purposes. And so we fall into manipulation when we use God's name to endorse political causes. We fall into all sorts of problems when we use God's name for sports causes, if we think our team will win, which which we know (laughs) does not happen last night. I got, more, I got more condolence messages than if, you know, one of my relatives. I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, if you want to know. Yeah, so I understand suffering uh, again and again. But I like what Laura Schlesinger says. She talks about that. She says, when we, when we turn God into a coach who can have an impact on the outcome of a game, we belittle his essence and take his name in vain. And so when, we, when the name of Jesus becomes a magic formula to achieve our goals, even good goals, we're taking his name in vain. God is not a magic wand. Here's the last way. There's probably other ways, but the last way is when, when I live in hypocrisy. That means when I, when I speak the name of Jesus, but I live my life as if he does not exist or doesn't matter. Psalm 14.1 says, A fool says in his heart, There is no God. And Alan Redpath says, To pray and not to practice, to believe and not to obey, to praise and yet heart to rebel, is to take the name of the Lord in vain. And so when you and I live our lives, when we leave this place, and we go back to our lives, and we live our lives as functional atheists, Yeah, sure we say we believe in God. Yes, we believe in Jesus. But we live our lives as if he does not matter or maybe doesn't even exist. That is taking the name of the Lord in vain. So, how do we get this right? How do we give the name the honor it deserves? Well, again, there's a seriousness. I mean, all the commandments are serious. I mean, you can see it, but, you know, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. There's a seriousness to this commandment. Um, So the question is, what do we do when we mess up? What do we do when we violate this commandment? Well, we throw ourselves on the mercy of God. So one of the ways we give honor to God is that... uh, When we live in his name, when we recognize because of Jesus Christ, what we're singing today, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that when we do mess up, we can come before the cross and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And God hears our prayers and will grant us forgiveness. It means that because what Jesus has done on the cross, you and I can boldly approach the throne of grace and say, Lord, have, let, let, me, let me start again. Let me start again. So you need to know that, because some of you, I'm sure you're thinking, boy, I have violated this commandment so many times. Um, our starting point is the cross. Actually, it's always the cross and forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. So grace is our starting point. Grace precedes the commandments, right? Secondly, we honor God's name when we live a life that honors God. So when you and I choose to speak the truth when it would be a lot easier to lie we're lifting up to you God's name. When we seek justice instead of turning a blind eye. When we offer mercy instead of judgment, when we're patient instead of being irritable, when we're kind instead of being mean. When we give ourselves to the poor, when we don't when we don't shirk back from people who are suffering, when we practice hospitality, When we share our faith despite the cost. When we seek to be a peacemaker rather than tearing one another down on social media. When we live hopeful lives, sacrificial lives, we are lifting high the name of God. We're taking the name of God in honor and respect for the world to see. So how we live our lives will elevate or denigrate the name of God. And the last way I think we can honor God's name is when we daily practice hallowing God's name. You know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So what does that mean? It's always been a strange part of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? When we say hallowed be thy name, what we're saying is, God, we want your name to be heavier in our lives and in our world. So you think about it. To take the name of God in vain is to make it light and to empty it. When we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, Lord, take your reality and make it heavier in my life and heavier in this world. That's our prayer. And so when we pray, we're praying that later today when we talk to other people, later today when you walk into Starbucks, you recognize that God is much more active in and around you than you realize that the Holy Spirit may have been having a conversation with the barista ahead of the time that you get there. And when you speak, and you speak words of hope, and you speak words of encouragement, the Holy Spirit has already prepared her heart, already prepared his heart to receive from, you, or to receive from him. It's, it's being attentive to the reality that when we leave this place, God doesn't disappear. He is much more active and present than we realize. And our job, when we say, hallowed be thy name, is saying, Lord, may your reality and your truth, may I perceive that in all the details of my day. When we do that, we are lifting high the name of the Lord, recognizing it's the name of the Lord that changes lives. And our prayer is that people, all the people that we encounter during the day, would experience the deep, deep love of Jesus and the freedom that Yahweh desires them to have. Does that make sense? Okay, well, why don't we pray together? We're going to do two things to conclude. Uh, We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, and then we're going to sing the doxology. Paul, do we have the doxology up there? We will. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, we're going to sing the doxology, which is an honor of God's name, because we're going to, we're going to describe God's threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's being revealed in the New Testament that God is triune, right? So let's stand together, and we'll, say the, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to say the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Can you bring that up on the screen? So let's pray this together. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of C.A. Church.